First Timothy chapter two. I enjoyed last Wednesday evening starting uh, the latter part of uh, of the second chapter here in Timothy, and looking forward to chapter three. There's a there is just a lot in uh, these epistles, and I have. And I don't believe I've talked through the Timothys. Um, I think Thessalonians I have, but the Timothys are exciting. And there's a lot of points uh, in my past, looking back, uh, being in a, in a pastor's home, growing up as a PK kid, and the Bible being one of the main subjects of any discussion or topic or uh, anything uh, is is looking at the Timothys, what is said, what isn't said, how uh, some pastors or preachers or teachers come across at different denominations. And so all that in my past, looking at that and then having the opportunity to, to teach it, and by no means am an authority on this epistle at all, uh, but it's it's exciting, it's fun, it's, uh, I don't know, if, uh, it's just uh, energetic to me as to how it's laid out and what Paul is doing as I read ahead and read it several times looking at it just trying to get more of the context of what uh, Apostle Paul by the power of the Holy Spirit to interject what he needs or what he thinks or feels that Timothy needs to know and as he's laying it out and, and writing this to Timothy knowing that years down the road it copies and copies and here we're looking at it tonight and then we're trying to teach the same thing in a church setting so a lot going on here and we've laid out I laid I, I laid out an outline a simple outline and so uh, they're giving me the signal here everything needs to be on I need to make sure I have the right microphone on some of these microphones work the 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 cameras and so if somebody's watching sometimes they can't hear they can't switch it over to, to certain certain microphones are on I guess hopefully I'm on but uh, we had laid out an outline a simple outline dealing with chapter 2 now in chapter 2 we're looking at verses 9 through 15 and we laid out a godly testimony in serving ideally the scripture here is dealing specifically uh, for for women, godly women. Let me add that not just uh, not just any women, although this does apply to any woman. But here he's dealing with women in the church, and a lot of times you'll get questions. You get asked as a preacher, pastor, uh, you know, what about this? What does the Bible say about that? And I, I have shared some of those illustrations uh, last week with you. I won't reiterate all that, but my uh, outline that I had is number one, point number one, we have the morality of a godly woman. And, uh, and the morality deals with verses nine. And uh, he says, in like manner also, the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. And uh, like I say, when you look at scriptures, we're, we're taking this doctrinally kind of. And uh, so you have a doctrinal application. That's the first or primary application. Then you have the historical. You want to make sure that you understand what is going on during the time that it was written. All right. And so, and then you have a prophetical, what, what, what can it mean for the future and how to apply it. And so here it is Pauline epistle, definitely dealing with a church setting in a church time. And so he's going to address, and he does quite, quite 
realistically. We dealt with seven major principles, and uh, I think the men only got like one or two in verses 8, uh, 1 through 8, and then here we look at 9 through 15. There's quite a bit here dealing with uh, the feminine or the woman, you might say. So number one, we said the morality of a godly woman, and in that morality, we looked at the apparel, because that's one of the things brought up. Uh, I know we can, you can... There are pastors who, uh, who can not only articulate it but draw down on very fine points. I don't think that's actually what Paul is getting to. I think he's hitting areas and subjects that cover, uh, he uses principles that cover a wide variety. If you look at the words, and you say, where do you pick that up? Well, you look at the words where in verse 9, adorn themselves in modest apparel. And so he didn't give you a list of what, is or what isn't in there. One of the better ways of doing a study, if you want to get further into something like that, is look at what, what isn't modest in the Word of God. You will find a more descriptive in the Word of God of what isn't modest rather than what is. All right, you'll find it through the scriptures. And when you do a study on apparel, just apparel, you'll have immodest apparel, modest apparel. Uh, you can get into all different types, uh, rich apparel. Um, uh, you can get, you can go many different ways. I'm thinking of a book that's written by uh, a man that I've used and it's been taught here and it's called uh, Different by Design. And Brother Carrie Schmidt, Carrie Schmidt wrote the book years ago and it's very well put together, and it doesn't really have a slant on it. Sometimes when you get into these types of subjects, you're going to get a flavor or a slant from whatever camp you're in or whatever church you're in. But uh, Brother Kerry Schmidt writes from an open mind and uses a multitude of scripture to help uh, shed light in these areas. And again, like I said, the Bible's not silent, but Let's go back to our, our outline. And so he deals with, under the morality of a godly woman, the apparel. So he has adornment, he has modesty. We talked about the feminine versus the masculinity. We, we went all the way back to the first mention of it. And we looked at what God, God's viewpoint of, of that. And we looked in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5. And uh, the abomination, we ex explored that. And then uh, after that, the apparel, we looked at the attitude. If you look at verse 9 again, he uh, not only mentions apparel, but he says with, with, this is to be coupled with shamefacedness and sobriety. And so that speaks of the attitudes. You look those words up, it deals with the attitude uh, and shamefacedness and sobriety. And then, uh, which leads us to our next point, that deals with the mannerisms of a godly woman. Not only the morality, but the mannerisms and what that involves. You look at verse 10, it says, But which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. So we see under the mannerisms of a godly woman, we see uh, two things, a testimony of service. We see the testimony of service, good works, and how that's laid out. We looked at a verse in James, kind of help us with that thought. And then we see not only uh, a testimony of good works, but we see a teachable spirit. And if you look, if you look at verse 11, and I did make a comment here. He says here, let the women learn. So it's actually a command to Timothy and the men that the women are supposed to learn. And in that culture, now we look at the historical setting, a lot of times in that culture, uh, you'll find cultures kind of like that today, maybe not necessarily in America per se, but uh, in other parts of the world where a woman doesn't have a right, or they say doesn't have a right to learn. 
And that just isn't true. God is not for that. And you find a commandment here given to Timothy. And remember our, our viewpoint, our view of what, what is being taught here in this epistle is Paul is instructing a young pastor on some of the things he needs to know. And so here he's telling him in verse 11, let the women learn in silence with all subjection. And so he lays out a criteria, well, I call them parameters. Uh, it's like a, the white line and the yellow line, keep, keep, keep the car between the, the lines in the road. So parameters and silence and subjection. Silence speaks of quietness and stillness and then subjection, obedience and submission. And again, these words that we're using, that the Bible uses, very comfortable with our society today, our Western society, even in religion, have, they struggle. These words, it's not the, what I'm saying is you're not going to be taught these words, a scriptural viewpoint or definition of these words from the world. They're definitely anti-biblical, anti-godly thinking when it comes to these types of words. All right, so it does say the women are to learn in silence, meaning the way are to, they are to listen attentively to instruction and conduct themselves in a quiet, obedient manner toward authority. And that's just simply put, that applies for all of us. Doesn't mean that the men can be unruly or the women. He, he wants that for, for everybody. I believe it's instructed many different ways. But here specifically to a woman. Uh, we went to Paul. Paul kind of talked and taught this about worship, the conduct of worship, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 through 34. We looked at verse 37 for a nugget in the Bible, dealing with these topics and dealing about the woman's role and what, what, what you're supposed to first uh, give heed to is that acknowledging, number one, if you're a man of God or a person who says they believe in God and the things of God in the Bible, that you're first to acknowledge what Paul is instructing and in teaching is from God. These are the commandments of God. And so a lot of times uh, you won't find that. You'll find people who say they love God, love his word. But when it comes to areas like this, they say God's a meanie. This is not right. We don't teach that and I don't hold to it. And so uh, they separate themselves, divorce themselves, if you please, from scripture and the thought or principle found, found in scripture. Tonight I want to land in our third point, uh, not only dealing with the morality or the mannerisms, but thirdly, the ministry of a godly woman. Uh, this is kind of where we got to last Wednesday night, and if you'll look with me in our text in verse 12, and I want to deal thirdly, this will finish up this uh, part of our teaching uh, on this, uh, this lesson here for tonight, the ministry of a godly woman. Number three of our outline, the ministry of a godly woman. In verse 12, he says here, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man. Notice the context and the parameters he puts on it. Uh, you'll have people read that verse and here's what they'll say. Not having correct exogenical uh, abilities, want to, or whatever. They'll say, a woman is not supposed to teach. A woman is not supposed to. That's not what he's saying. Look at the parameter. Let's read it again. But I suffer not a woman to teach, comma, nor to assort authority over the man. So the context is the parameter of having the man and the woman in the same context. The role of teaching or authority is given to the man, that primary role, not the, the, the woman role, not the woman's role. Doesn't mean that she doesn't have a role. Doesn't mean that she doesn't teach. And we're going to get into uh, what the Bible has to say about that. Uh, but uh, here he's in the context of what we're doing tonight. 
in this church, Lord willing, hopefully, or what we always said, Pastor Thomas, say you're only one pastor away from apostasy. Uh, hopefully, you will never see a woman get up and try to preach or proclaim the word. Uh, they'll have, we'll have women give good godly testimonies of salvation or what God's done for them. Amen. But they're not taking the Bible and instructing men and women in the same mixed multitude. You might have a woman's lesson. Uh, you might even a woman get kind of get down with an outline and, and teach a woman's class, a lady's class, a kid's class. That is perfectly okay. Here the context is found inside the verse, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence and in the case of um, men and women. And so he lays that out. He's clear. And so we see this ministry that we want to get into what is he going to say. So let's read all, all these verses in this chapter. Verse 13, and he tells us why. He'll tell us why, uh, or the order God has. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. You say, well, I thought it was because God didn't like women. No, God loves women. He created the woman. And uh, by the way, let me put this to rest. There are, are, are preachers who believe that there are no women or females in heaven. I do not hold to that, that teaching. Uh, I, don't, I simply don't. I think God created them, and I think they have a role throughout all eternity. Uh, number one, I believe they're going to be there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I believe they're going to be at the great white throne judgment. And I believe that they hold accountability to the role that they're given. I don't see God creating that, that role, primary role, secondary role, and then doing away with it in heaven. So I do not hold to that teaching belief or whatever. I'm aware of it. I've heard it. I've been around people who believe that in some circles and uh, still friends. I don't fall out with them there, but I do not believe or hold or adopt to that belief. And so here, because of what is laid here, because of the example of the body of Christ and the church and what it represents. And so I believe they hold a very powerful position. If you know anything about uh, the game of chess, you know that one thing that you're taught in, in, the, in chess uh, is that the queen is the most powerful, most valuable piece on the board. That is true. That is true. And so uh, here in life, you're going to find that the queen, the, the woman, the wife, has a very important role. And it might not be a primary role, but it doesn't mean that it's not as important. We're going to find that out and see what God has to say about this. Let me say this as we read on in verse 14. And Adam was not deceived. He's going to give the reasons why uh, for these roles. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Verse 15, notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity in holiness with sobriety. Let me say this. A godly woman has a ministry to fulfill which is unique to her role. And so because her role is slightly different than the man's role, she's not given to the same type of ministry. It's going to be a little bit different type of ministry, whereas the primary role, the man's role, might not be given to what the woman's role is. I've seen it reverse. I've seen this in my life. I've seen the man try to adopt the role of the woman in some sense, and it, it, doesn't, lead to, it doesn't lead to anything good. I'm not saying that a man can't. I'm not saying that a man doesn't have the abilities and at some point you might have to have maybe some of that, that motherly role, but there's nothing that takes the place of a mother or a woman, period. And when you begin to step or erase that line, you're, you're, going, you're, you're erasing lines that God has established himself. 
And so back in our context in church, this is a church setting. And so uh, dealing with what he's teaching a young pastor. Keep that in the back of our mind kind of for context purposes. And he says here about this, let me say the order. God, Godly ladies who are married should support the family leadership of their husbands. It seems like God has given that role of the woman to have that, to be a supportive of the, the husband's role or the position. So the order. All right, and so under that order, uh, we have number one, a command. It's a command. He says, usurp authority to dominate, to govern, to exercise mastery. That's what he's saying here when you look at verse 12. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man. And I'm really careful when I begin to hear uh, now, not in the context of my mom telling me what to do or my wife. Have you had those kind of kind of conversations before the wife is making so much more sense than you're making and you're listening you're in a position to where you don't listen you totally ignore it bad ideal fellas <laughs> and then or you just listen take in what they're being said I'm not saying get in a sermon or preaching I understand where, where I'm going here uh, because of the roles they work together okay they should in harmony the man and the woman's what I'm speaking of but here to usurp authority uh, to give this position where it speaks of usurping authority over the man, but to be in silence. It doesn't matter, ladies, even if you are correct in this position, to stand up and to assume the, the role or position of a man is anti-God. You're, you're dead upon, you're, it's a default upon beginning. Just because of what God is laying out here. Meaning no matter how right you are, you, two, two wrongs don't make a right. And so that's where you're at. Uh, nonetheless, uh, God still gives you the role, and we're going to see this here tonight. But as he lays this parameter in verse 12, to teach or not to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Let me say this. God established the man as the head of the home, and he established men as the leaders in the church. This is, is very clear through Scripture. Paul will explain this in 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 great detail in the next chapter. And any contradiction of this order that seems to be laid out is a violation of God's perfect plan. Let me share with this. We're right there. Look, look at chapter 3 in verse 2. We might have looked at this last week. I'm not for sure. But uh, notice here, <clears throat> verse 2. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. It says, A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, Vigilant, sober of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house. Now watch what he says here. Having his uh, children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man, here's the parentheses, and he's going to give you a tidbit. The Holy Spirit is going to give you a little extra on this. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Is the question. And he puts his teaching illustration in, in a question. He wants you to think about what he's saying here. And this is requirements for an ideal pastor. And so as you look at verses 2 through 5, we see that it's definitely taught. You can go over to Titus and we might 
a little bit later on, if we got time. If you go over to Titus chapter 2, about 3 and 5, you begin to look at the, the lay of how God or the Apostle Paul lays out by the power of the Holy Spirit what those parameters in this ministry and for what what role the woman is playing in teaching or instructing. We know not, not in a mixed multitude with men. I'm not saying that, listen to me now carefully, I'm not saying that you don't find yourself as being a self-entrepreneur for a number of years. There were times where part of our customers or clients that we work with, repeat of, I think a customer is somebody you work for, a client is somebody you repeat customer over and over again. Uh, both of them would be a female, would be a, a woman. And so they would say, this is what I need you to do. A lot, a lot of them knew and had, had their act together. Uh, ladies have a tendency to be detail-oriented, so when you'd sit down with a customer like that, she generally had already been online or had made phone calls, and she knew pretty much what she was talking about most of the time. And so I, I was amazed at how much they knew versus their husband or somebody else, a man, if you please. And so in that situation, say, well, I'm not going to work for her. She's a woman. That's, I don't, you, work, I, you work for him, you're going to have that. One of my bosses at work, where I worked at uh, uh, L&W Supply, was a female. Uh, Tracy, her first name, won't give her her last name, but Miss Tracy, and she was a boss. I didn't see her every day, but she'd come in and do interviews, make sure everything was being run correctly. And she was extremely good at what she did and what she currently does. And so you'll have that. Uh, you say, well, I don't work for that. Well, that's, that could be your preference, that's not what the Bible is teaching here. He's in the context of a church, in the church setting, dealing with somebody who's going to teach, preach, uh, and give an authority, have a position of authority over a man, all right? And so that's the parameter in verse 12. I don't take it any further than that and try not to read into that verse any further than what it says. Very important that we pick up on that. A woman may provide direction in such areas as education. Uh, not only education, but school administration and music in the church. But preaching is not part of the woman's role. It doesn't seem to be. As far as witnessing, preaching that way, giving a testimony, laying it out. Hey, man, you might have a group of followers. I think Miss uh, Sheila does that online. I, I amen that. And, uh, and I think that's a good idea when ladies do that to help to help other women grow and to mature or mature in the word of God. That's powerful, and that's a role that they've been given to do. And so it's important. A man might say a thousand words, a woman could say four or five words and get the point across, and they, they grab it. So you'll reach people, reach other people. Uh, very important. But these are kind of the roles we're going to look at tonight as the Bible lays them out. Number two, so we looked at, I don't want to, leave off here. So number one, a command. We see a command. Number two, we look at the design. A woman was created following the design of man. So look at verse 13. Let's look at it a little closer and we'll get into my notes here. So for Adam was first formed, then Eve. You say, why is he saying that? He, he wants you to understand why these roles are different and why they should be kept in place. Because there's a reason. God, God is laying it out through the Apostle Paul, and he's laying this. And Timothy needs to know this. Uh, because you get into our culture today, let's fast forward. Well, one of the things that our culture, Western culture does, is they want to erase those distinction lines between the woman and the man. They're the same. They're not the same. They're opposite. I'm thankful that they're not the same. Amen? Tonight, if you just think about it, just in general, general logically thinking, I'm glad that a woman is different than a man. And they should be that way. 
And they're very important in the eyes of God. Not, not, there's not one less than the other. But God lays out his reasoning and he shows it a little bit here in verses 13 and 14. And he says, for Adam, we're looking at the design. Now, why, did, why is this command this way? And then why, why, why a design this way? Well, for Adam was first formed, then Eve. And, um, you know, you hear all the jokes about, well, he created man first. And he looked at man and he says, I can do better. And then he created a woman. So, uh, you know, you hear all that, and I don't know how true that is, but let's read on. Verse 14, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. All right? And so we see something here about, about a woman versus a man, not that a man cannot be deceived. You find many different men through the Bible uh, being deceived. All right, and so uh, he's just saying here about how they're created and how they're made up, uh, character-wise, and how God made them, how God wired them. Amen. And so he says here, under the design, he formed to be shaped or modeled as by a potter. God created this. God created Eve from Adam's rib. You go to, all the way back to Genesis chapter two, about verse twenty-two and twenty-three, and he lays that out. There's something that he says in First Corinthians. Uh, let's let's go over to First Corinthians a little closer. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now Paul will bring this up as he writes to the other churches. And you need to take note if, you, if you're wanting to stu study this out a little bit further. Uh, we'll just kind of stick to my notes here tonight. But there's a lot of different uh, things that are said. And a lot of times we'll read over them, not picking up, grasping what, what is being said here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Notice with me, I believe I want verse 8. All right, uh, we can read verse uh, 7. He said, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. That's verse 8. And uh, you say, what is, what is he teaching here? Well, he's teaching... He's teaching you a spiritual application, and he uses a physical illustration. You say, what? Well, when you, I don't have time to, to teach verse 11, chapter 11, but a lot, of, a lot of religions, a lot of people ignorant in Scripture will run over here and, and say a woman needs a covering other than her hair. Look, there is more, a whole lot more going on there than your hair or a covering. <laughs> it's a spiritual application. He's teaching a spiritual application how that's to be portrayed. Again, let me say this. There's a side note for this chapter. The woman is the type and picture of the church. The church is always to have a head over it. That's Christ. I thought it was the pastor. Not the pastor. He's an under-shepherd. He's just like, like the rest of the body. But you have a head, and it's Christ. That head, when you work or operate underneath your head or outside of your head, you're in rebellion, so that woman is portray or model that. And so that's what's going on here. There's more, there's a spiritual application here. But he says in verse 8, I got to get back on, on my design over here in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 8 says, For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. He keeps stressing the point about the roles. Not one's better than the other, they're different. They're different. Our society today doesn't want the difference. They don't like the difference because they think one is superior over the other one. No, one is given a certain task and another one's given another set of tasks. And you need both of those roles to complete, to complete the plan that God has designed Adam and Eve for, man and woman for. 
And man, when you break that, when you walk out from underneath that because of what devil tells you, what the world tells you, what education tells you, or whatever else tells you, another spirit, if you please, (laughs) forbidding to marry and to abstain from meats, the doctrines of devils over in Timothy, one of the things they tell you you don't need is the marriage and that union. Well, that union represents a whole lot for Christ, spiritually, physically, emotionally, all right? And so there's a lot going on here. But back in 1 Timothy, I'm, I'm into the weeds already. Let's go back to this design about the forming of this and what God says through Scripture, even in the New Testament. I want to say this. Let me make this statement here. Both man and woman are equally created in the image of God and both have equal value. However, God, God's creation of Adam first demonstrates that man was a primary role. For some own reason, he gives that primary role to, to Adam or to the man or to the male. And so we see uh, under a design, uh, we see this. Now, secondly, I want to say this, the opportunities. Let's get a little bit further into this ministry part. And uh, let's see, let's read verse 15. Let's get back on point. And then we have some other places to go for tonight. Uh, Now, I'm watching the clock here. We got plenty of time. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, as we read on. So he tells us in verse 13 and 14 uh, the reason why, why, why why the design and why it's that way is because of who he formed first. Then he says in verse 15, he says this, uh, notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. I brought up the point uh, last week that some people, I've heard people read this verse 15 and speak of that word saved there as soul salvation. Uh, and, and if a lady doesn't have a child, uh, then she cannot be saved. And that, or that's how she gets it. That, that is so messed up. That is messed up, and uh, that, that's reading into the text. And you want to be mindful of that. we got some other verses coming up in chapter 3 where people will read, literally read words or thoughts into the text. And so you want to be mindful of that. That be saved is not being of soul salvation, more of a physical salvation, probably how chemically how the body works. When a woman has a child, uh, not all the DNA of that child stays with that mother through her whole life. And uh, it's unique. They're just finding these research. I've just, maybe I just began to read it and find out about it. But a lot of that DNA and uh, the way the body works in, in a mother, amen, a mother, is when she gets sick, those, that DNA helps protect uh, the sick parts in her body. The DNA from the child that she has. I about like to fell out of my chair when I heard that. I got online, began to do more research. There's a lot of that out there. It's very true. I didn't know that. Something new. And here I'm reading this verse. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness and sobriety. A lot connected with this role that the woman has. The man doesn't have this role. All right. And so we see in verse 15. Let's develop this, though. We got some more verses to look at. So this opportunity. Godly ladies have many opportunities for service given in Scripture. Number one, I'm going to give you five, I believe, here. Number one, teach children. You say, why would you, why would you bring that up first? Because the Bible, in, he's got it here, and he's going to have it in other places here to teach children. Childbearing, childbirth specifically, in a broad sense, parenting, the performance of uh, maternal duties. I, I don't care how good of a man or how 
I want to use the word feminine, but that's not even scriptural. That's anti-scriptural. How a a man might try to play the role or fill the role of a woman or a mother, it's not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. One thing I know for sure, I'm saved and I'm married to Allison and I'm called to preach. There's three things. The fourth thing is that I am not Allison. I am not a mother in my home. As nice as I try to portray myself or act, I cannot pull the wool over Caleb's eyes or any of the kids' eyes. Mom is mom, and you're not going to step away from that. And uh, so she plays a very powerful, unique role. I say powerful because it wields a lot. (laughs) Uh, It it wields a lot. And so here, teaching children is very important. Let me give you some quotes here. Uh, The formative period for building character for eternity is in the nursery, The mother is queen of that realm and sways a scepter more potent than that of kings or priests. It's a quote. Another one given, I believe Billy Graham has this one. Only God himself fully appreciates the influence of a Christian mother in the molding of character in her children. It's by Billy Graham. And so that is true. And I would say that goes both ways. You can mold the character of your child in a negative sense too. If you want to step outside your role or step out of what God has commanded or teaches the parent to do. All right, so good and bad. Here I believe he's speaking in the context of good. Not take his his, uh, quote out of context. Let me say this, Timothy, of all people, remember the Apostle Paul's writing this to Timothy. Now Timothy knows some of this. Of all people recognize the value of, 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 of women. His mother and grandmother taught him about the Lord. Uh, we're there in first, uh, let's go to 2 Timothy. <clears throat> let's read a verse. We're, we're familiar with this, but it does us good to read it. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 5 with me. Paul saying this again, he says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. If you fast forward to, let's see, chapter 3 in verse 15, he says this again, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And he speaks of this early, uh, this early introduction of scriptures and the knowledge of salvation through scriptures. And uh, I would lay, uh, I would lay to, to the thought that this faith, the unfeigned faith that was found in his grandmother and the unfeigned faith found in his mother were faithful to scriptures in teaching and instructing Timothy. That's what I'm gathering here uh, that is a, from a child. So teaching children is very important. Very important. You know, let me say here, I'm thankful for uh, the women or the ladies that teach the Bible, instruct in word here at Hope Baptist. Whatever that case may be, whether it's giving a testimony, whether it's teaching a Sunday school class, whether it's dealing with the ladies and the ladies from time to time through the year, we'll have ladies, uh, special ladies conferences or meetings, and the ladies will be sent a devotion or a scripture or a thought or a message. But the women... The women help do that. I'm thankful for that. 
Uh, I'm proud of that, and I think it makes for a healthy environment, especially in a church family. And so it's important that that goes on. To have a role, that's a role that only that, uh, the woman or the mother or the, that individual can bring other than the man. He, he's not given to that role, per se, in that field. But watch, watch this. Now, we, we have, number one, teaching children. Number two, I've kind of alluded to it, teaching women. A godly ladies have a unique an opportunity to influence others. I want to use this, because Titus, we're going to be over there anyway. Go to Titus chapter 2 with me. Let's look at what the Bible has to say here, dealing with teaching other women, not only teaching children, I believe that's very clear in Scripture, but teaching other women, teaching the women, the younger women. Titus chapter 2, if you look with me, verse 3, let's, uh, I'll tell you what, let's uh, do verse 1, but speak thou the things which becometh sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. And in verse 3, the aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine. You say the women have requirements. Well, a godly woman would have a requirement. It wouldn't be hard uh, that this is found in, in a woman who's able or has the ability to teach or instruct others, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. It's so, so, so easy to teach bad things, amen? We don't want to be given to that. But watch verse 4 as he develops this, that they may teach the young women. He just comes out and, and, and says it, that teach the young women. Now he tells you what they're to teach, all right? And if you look at these phrases, there's a lot in these phrases, not just specific. Uh, it gives you parameters to be sober, and you could dwell a month on that. And then he says to love their husbands. That's really hard, <laughs> Some of us guys, we're just not easy to love, all right? But there, it's to be taught. Let me say this. You're not naturally given the ability to love your husband. That's taught. And it's taught through scriptures. You first must love God, and then that true love will help em emanate or through your, through your life to your husband, to your spouse. Here, he's saying that they, this is to be taught. And taught how to love your husband? Yes. Taught how to love your husbands. Uh, some of you do, some of you ladies, some, all of you ladies that I can tell, I'm, this is easy to teach, know how to love your husbands. And it shows, and it, it's, it's, it's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. Here he says to love their children. I could preach there, and I do on Sunday nights if I can get people to come out on Sunday nights. And I instruct how a, a, a man and a woman, a father, to, are to instruct their, their children. If you love your children, you're going to teach your children. And one of the things you won't leave out if you truly love them, if you're a Christian, is the things of God. They're to, they're to know, they're to be wise towards the things that are good or true. And they're to be ignorant of things that are, are evil and wrong. We, our society has that backwards. They think you should instruct a child young at age about the evil and the bad first and then teach the good along with it. The Bible says the opposite. Teach them good. Teach them truth. And they're to be wise towards that. And so when the evil comes along or the wicked, it has a better grip on truth, and it knows how to adjust itself or knows how to deal with that and keep it simple. But here he says in verse 4, he says to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet. That's a phrase there. Uh, chaste, that's a phrase that can be taught, one word there. Keepers at home. Uh, I believe one of the primary roles for a mother, let me say it carefully here, this 
this is just something that the Bible lays out right here, is at home. You find one of the primary functions. I'm not saying that a woman can't. There's women who can take care of the home very easily, can run a business, and have another job on the side or two or three. That's doable. And there are women, ladies, godly women, godly ladies, who do just that. There are ladies in here I can mention uh, in our church that do just that and do it well. So don't, I don't want what I'm saying to go out of here wrongly. Uh, but the Bible saying at home, that's a primary, kind of like the man and the woman, primary, at home, good. Uh, there's another good word, obedient to their own husbands. He kind of brings that up again just in case we, we kind of get sideways on that or thinking that maybe, well, the Bible didn't really say that. It's kind of there, and I believe that's in the context of a husband who is, who is a husband, amen, because uh, he wants that man to be the right type of husband, all right, Maybe make it easy for the woman to, to love. But then he says that the word, here's the reason. He, he always gives you a reason why he wants it done this way. It's not just because I say it. God said, this is it. This is it. No, he's going to give you a reason. That the word of God be not blasphemed. I think of it this way. Imagine if Christ come to earth, and he did. And he was born of a virgin, and he was. And he lived his life sinless, and he did. And he went to the cross. What if he undermined God's word and God's will and God's way while he was on earth. He wouldn't be a very good example. Matter of fact, he wouldn't fit the type. There's a lot of stuff that would begin to fall apart. So as an example of doing the will of the Father, God says our job is to make sure, especially the woman and the man, that the word of God be not blasphemed. That means just taught against or be brought against or lived against. To bring a shame to the gospel of Christ and his will, his way, and his work. So look in your life, in our lives, and see the areas that we might be bringing more of a shame than a benefit to. And so here, back, let's get back to point. So we say teaching children, teaching other women, we're seeing in the Bible. Uh, there are some other areas, so we'll name some. Well, a ladies' ministry, you could have young mothers' class. That's very common in churches. You could have a ladies' devotion. Uh, not only devotion, but good works help teach people be, to admonish them to good works. Uh, so you have that type of ministry. And you have ladies' discipleship ministry, very very powerful. All right, so there's some influences here. So teaching children, teaching women. Uh, and then we want to say here, uh, uh, ladies, thirdly, ladies ministry. And then fourthly, influence in the church. A godly woman can have a great effect in the church by her testimony. This is why verse 15 talks about her faith, her charity, and holiness and sobriety. Let's go back to our text. We want to make sure we pick... Pick this, uh, this up, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. The Bible says, Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, in charity, in holiness, in sobriety. It seems like part of this lifestyle, the lifestyle that uh, this godly woman has and the ministry that she has is that uh, it's going to be connected with spiritual things. And we see here that her faith is brought up, her charity is brought up, and holiness and sobriety is brought up. I think of some ladies in the Bible that the Bible speaks of. Romans chapter 16. I'm looking at the clock. I've got a few more minutes. Let's run it down. Romans chapter 16. And notice what the Bible says here about a lady. I'm pronouncing her name Phoebe. And so uh, Romans chapter 16 and verse 1 and 2 and what it says here about her it says, I command, or I'm sorry, not command, commend, quite a bit different. I commend unto you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant, boom, 
right there, describing her, of the church, which is at uh, Centria, uh, that ye receive her in the Lord, as becometh saints, okay, he shows you the parameter, what he's talking about, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succour of many and of myself also. So Paul lays out some things here for this lady who was a servant of the church. And so we find out this lady worked in the church and she was uh, part of Paul's team. There's another lady here and we'll find her in the context of her and her husband. We're in Romans chapter 16. Uh, let's look at verses 3. Let's stay right there and we'll just pick this up. We'll use this one. Verse 3, look at verse 3 with me right there in Romans chapter 16. It says, Great, it says, Greet uh, Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Here's another lady with her husband, but she's included here. They were helpers in Christ Jesus. Verse 4, who have for my life laid down their own necks. Watch this, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. So it wasn't just in one church. Now, verse 5, the first part, likewise greet the church that is in their house. They had a house, our church in their house, I'm sorry. Yes, they did have a house and they had a church too. Uh, salute my well-beloved Epentheus, who is the, the first roots of Achaia in Christ. And at greet Mary, another lady. There's a, there's a number of them here who bestowed much labor on us. And uh, you can read on. There were definitely women that Paul uh, brought up and were, was very instrumental in influencing the church. Not only children, not only women, not only a ladies ministry, but also influencing the church here we're finding. And then fifthly, influence the world. So I, I just, I'm struggling with that. Listen, I'm going to go back in history and give you some more quotes, but let me say this before I do. Many of the greatest figures through history, throughout history, were influenced by their mothers. Uh, it would be foolish to under the influence of, of, of women. Uh, this is George Washington. My mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am, all I owe to my mother... I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Abraham Lincoln said this about his mother, quote, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life, unquote. And then Charles Spurgeon said this, quote, I cannot tell how much I owe to the solemn word of my good mother, unquote. Women have a powerful position a powerful position. That's why I believe, and I don't have any problem saying they're equal in God's eyes. God has, there's a role that needs to be played. And women, ladies, if you advocate your role as God has designed you, built you for, made you that way, created you that way, when you step out of that, because I've heard someone, but why would you be like a man? Why would you ever want to be like a man? I'm proud to be a man, but man, pick somebody better than me. I know there's only a man, but come on. Look, a man, wicked, vile, you can, you can, ladies, you could go on and on about this. So God's designed, created, made, wired. Why would you want to advocate the role that he's giving you? You're the best for that role. He states it. It's been proven. It's stated here from God's word. Stay there. Stay with it. I know they're, they're not all easy days, easy years. I understand that in a sense, but God has the right person, the right type, in their right roles. Let's not confuse it or change it. Let me say this. Many a woman serve quietly. Uh, many a women 
serve quietly behind the scenes and go unnoticed. And often their service is thankless, and we need to be grateful for them in their sacrifices that they have. God challenges Christian women to be exemplary in their morality, in their mannerisms, and in ministry. Uh, let me ask the question tonight to the ladies. Does your life demonstrate surrender to God's principles in your daily words and actions? As a godly woman, would you allow the Lord to challenge you to reflect his design better in your daily life? I believe probably every woman here tonight would readily answer yes to that. Whether it is an attitude, apparel, service, or other areas, the church needs godly ladies that are submitted to God's plan. Not man's plan. This is not, not man's plan. This is God's plan and put in the right context. Let's all stand tonight. I am thankful, thankful for the godly women that I know that have in my life. The first of all, my mother... If honestly said... My father has testified more than one time that he wouldn't have been able to accomplish anything uh, or be involved in the ministry that he was involved in without his wife, my mother. And tonight, I can honestly say without a mother's influence, I probably wouldn't be here tonight, more than likely. And then uh, with God allowing me to live and move on and get married and bless me with a wife, uh, there's a lot that um, I wouldn't be able to do without a good wife, a godly wife. So tonight, if you're married or you have a mother, be thankful for what they've given you, what they've taught you, what they've put, put into your life, sacrificed for you to do. So tonight, allow the Holy Spirit to kind of brush over your life, your cords, and the areas being a mother, being a wife, being a young lady. Say, God, you know, I want to be better at what you've called me to do. I want to be, I want to be good at the role that you have given me and put in my life to be. It makes strong relations. It makes, definitely glorifies God because that's his plan. And it brings glory and honor to his work and to his way. And it's powerful. It's unstoppable if it goes God's way. Tonight, Brother Jeff. 306. 306. Let's sing. <laughs>